Welcome back to season three of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. And with me today, I have my co-host, Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. Matthew Aguilar. Yo, yo. And back with us once again is Patrick the Wolfman Kavanaugh. What up, everybody? Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, there we go. So... We're getting into summer now. Uh, the movie theater's coming back to life. And right now, horror is definitely king, queen, and everything in the royal family in between. So Patrick is back as our horror maestro to give us a review of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, so we're going to lead off with that today because we're going to switch things up today because we have some interesting discussions to get to. We're going to talk about some star, the big Star Wars crossover that just kicked off, some theories about Marvel's Eternal, Spider-Man 3, and some other fun stuff that we're going to throw in in the comics realm as well. So be sure to stay tuned for all of that. But first, Patrick, why don't you tell us what are we getting with The Conjuring? The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh boy, what are we getting? Well, uh, what's interesting, this is the third Conjuring film. Uh, this is in the proper series, so it focuses more on specifically Ed and Lorraine Warren, and it's once again inspired by one of their case files. This is the case of a man, the first instance of someone claiming demonic possession for the reason that he murdered his landlord. So that's the real case, and from there... The actual narrative kind of goes into some totally unexpected and crazy directions. This is the third film in the Conjuring series, but it's the first one that's not directed by James Wan. Uh, he only directed one and two, and then they've had a whole bunch of different directors for like The Nun and Annabelle. And the director is Michael Shavs, who directed The Curse of La Llorona. And... Uh, the movie really rests on the shoulders of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Those two are super charming. They're always a joy to watch on screen. Uh, but honestly, without them being involved in it, it's ultimately just kind of a run-of-the-mill supernatural horror movie. That's not to say it's necessarily bad. It just doesn't live up to the standards of the previous two movies. I think James Wan, as seen in... Saw and Insidious and the Conjuring movies, Aquaman, like he really knows how to stage scares and scenes and exciting sequences. And this new director mostly kind of goes back to the traditional playbook of spooky things in dark corners. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's fine. But I mean, really, without without Ed and Lorraine Warren in this movie, it would it feels just like a spinoff. And especially when uh, Annabelle comes home, which was the third Annabelle film, which uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga were both in it, this. You know, that definitely feels like a better Conjuring movie almost than The Devil Made Me Do It for sure. Yeah, this universe has gotten kind of stretched out. I, I mean, until you mentioned it, my head was just kind of just spinning because I was just like, oh, man, there has been like all these Annabelle's already through a trilogy and <laughs> killing it. I didn't even and, think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it is it's pretty wild. But uh, so this one is I mean, you really kind of James Wan. I remember where I was. I was in San Diego. I was at a Comic-Con when the first Conjuring kind of premiered. And I remember getting a screening hooked up out in you know, San Diego and going to the theater and seeing this and being 
because I, I had been one of the people who saw the preview of it, I think at like New York Comic Con maybe or something like that, and been like, wow, I think this movie is going to be pretty good. And then like when I saw the full thing, I was just like, oh man, this is something special. But it really was James Wan and and those kind of like sequences he put together and. You know that that was James Wan doing his best best Hitchcock in a horror kind of way, and it was uh it was really good. And the second one, I actually enjoyed The Conjuring two a lot more as I've seen it over the years. But uh, yeah, you could really tell the difference when you got into some of these spinoffs, where like The Nun, I was trying to get through that again the other day, um, with the exception of like Annabelle two, which was um what's his name. Uh, was that Sandberg? I forget. Sandberg, who, yeah. yeah. David Sandberg. F. Sandberg, Shazam director, who showed something really special there. Like, yeah, they really just feel like kind of not schlocky, but just kind of like, like you said, run of the mill B movie. So, yeah. And, and, and for anyone who uh, has seen The Curse of La Yorona, like that was not billed as a, a conjuring tie in or a spin off or a sequel and then just secretly like the Annabelle doll shows up and F Murray Abraham is in it as the character he played in Annabelle. So all of a sudden it was like, Whoa, this is a secret conjuring film. And that doesn't make it better. That doesn't elevate it at all. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, okay. And, and so that's almost what the devil made me do. It feels like is it, it feels like the curse of La Llorona, but Oh, we were able to convince Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga to be in this. And even though this, this is going to sound maybe like a little bit crazy once I actually vocalize it, but like the first two conjuring movies, those are just haunted house movies. Whether you believe in ghosts, believe in the supernatural, you can kind of believe that the Warrens claim that this stuff happened, that families in, in Providence or, or in Rhode Island and a family in, England that they believe they were under attack by these supernatural uh, spirits and supernatural forces, right? You can just be like, okay, I don't believe it, but sure, they think that happened and the movie's an exaggeration of that. This one takes like the smallest nugget of historical accuracy in that this guy did kill his landlord and claim demonic possession and then take the Warrens, like, they're working with the police. They're, like, to, to use, like, telekinetic powers to find, you know, other murders that have happened. Like, the, the uh, suspension of disbelief about the root of the based on a true story thing is completely thrown out the window. And, like, I get it. It's a movie you might just think all of this is just stupid nonsense, unbelievable things that nobody ever went through. But the first two movies were so much more contained that it was like, okay, I'll, I'll believe that I'll believe this family that went through a, a really tough time. But so this, this one, is the conjuring and the furious. Yeah. I was going there too. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. yeah, yeah. Just that fast five point, huh? Where we're just like, yeah, this used to be based in a thing, but we're just throwing the thing, the premise out the window now. We're going to like space. superheroes. Yeah, yeah, we're getting the, yeah, we're getting the, the, the demons out of space next. You know, yeah, I, I, by the way, I would totally watch. Yeah, I would. That too. Conjuring, I would totally watch. Yeah, I would love for like Tyrese to all of a sudden show up with like you know the Ectomobile or something. Like, oh my god, it's all part of this universe. While he but, sings uh, "Sweet Lady," no, <laughs> oh my god, and I yeah, will say. 
you, you know, uh, I think I saw some people in the chat. Uh, I would give it a three out of five. That's that's what I what I posted for my more full length review uh, earlier this week. So you know, it's it's fine. It's not like offensively bad, but I will say that like uh, it's coming out on HBO Max and in theaters this Friday, June fourth. That I would definitely recommend if you can safely go see it in a theater. Then definitely go see it in a theater because the way you know so many of these movies are crafted to work best in you know these these dark theaters surrounded by other people where you can like feel the silence in the theater to really amplify those scares that much more uh but also if you just put it on in the background on hbo max as you're doing laundry like that's that's cool too <laughs> yeah i mean if you go to the theaters you can feel the real dread even if the movie doesn't deliver of other people's hygiene possibly around you i mean um, but it's serious question in lightning round, Patrick, you have to pick one to see in a the theater. You can only risk your life and your money so much. Is it the conjuring? The devil made me do it or a quiet place. Part two for you. Oh uh, boy. That's, I mean, that is really a tough question. <laughs> um, I would say that. Given the nature of etiquette of people in theaters, you're more likely to be less irritated and enraged by the people around you who aren't taking the title seriously and do not consider it a quiet place. Uh, my wife and I saw it with like a toddler running around in a quiet place part two. So when it's supposed to be kind of like a silent world, it's easier for that silence to be destroyed. So even the choice between the two, I would say uh, the conjuring might be a, a little bit more of a, an effective theatrical viewing. Wow. I would have, I mean, I did not expect that. answer. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was elaborate, but I think you should have waited to the furnace scene and then just whispered to the parent. I wish that was your child. And then they would have probably gotten up and left you alone for the rest of the, for the rest of the screening. I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. If I go back to see a quiet place and there's more toddlers running around, man. Oh, well, all right. So there you have Injuring. it. <laughs> and that's our, there you go. Thank you, Patrick, for your review. You can read Patrick's full review of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It on comicbook.com horror and The Devil doesn't, doesn't Need to Make You Do It. It's a, it's a good read, so check that out. Moving right along from The Conjuring 3, we are going to talk, because while we still have Patrick, about we're going to do things a little different. Usually we kind of wait till the end to do comics, but um, today we're going to talk about one comic because uh, it is a Star Wars event and Patrick is part of our all-star Star Wars team, which was uh, terribly named, but uh, here we are. Uh, and we have a new crossover event, War of the Bounty Hunters, that kicked off. And so we thought, you know, we realize not a ton of people may read all the Star Wars comics that are involved in all this. So we thought we'd just kind of give you guys a heads up disclaimer. See if you care about any of this and, uh, you know. Let you know no, you what's totally going on. Should. Yeah, you totally. I mean, <laughs> just throwing that I'm out trying, there. I'm totally trying to should. soft roll them into it, but yes, it, it is totally cool, and you should totally care. And this is one of the more interesting things that Star Wars has done as a franchise, I think, in a little bit. Definitely on the page, so worth talking about. Um, so let's just get into this. Uh, basically, if you haven't been reading, and I assume most of you haven't, there's a lot of Star Wars comics out there. And a lot of them have become centered on uh, the age, this kind of line between the age, the rise of the Empire and the rise of the Rebellion. 
you know, and in between the Star Wars original trilogy movies, a lot of them are set. You got like a Darth Vader series that's set after right now, um, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Dr. Aphra's kind of operating in that time period. Uh, they launched some new bounty uh, Boba Fett stories about Boba Fett trying to get Han Solo's frozen ass body to Jabba and having that job go horribly wrong. And this is all leading to one big crossover called War of the Bounty Hunters. And uh, I guess Matt and then uh, Patrick, why don't you guys take us through this, like uh, what this introductory issue was all about. And we're going to talk spoilers. We're going to talk spoilers. If you guys don't want to hear spoilers, drop off for like a couple of minutes. Yes. Because we are going to talk spoilers about this because we're assuming that the majority of you probably aren't going to read this. So we're just telling you. Also, you can't not talk about this issue without diving into that because that's one of the most interesting parts (laughs) of the book. So, yeah. So there's some interesting stuff. And so we're hoping maybe by getting into like the kind of actual story of this, it might invite a lot more of you to maybe check this out. So that's what we're banking. We're shaking the dice on this. (laughs) Here we go. So yeah, take us through it. Well, I mean, I've, I've been reading, you know, Star Wars, the the Marvel Star Wars comics for, for quite a while. And I've been reviewing, viewing them for the site for the past few years. And this past year has been pretty tough because they, they kicked off the bounty hunters series last spring. And it was like, Oh wow, cool. This is, this should be an interesting series, but it has been pretty rough to get through <laughs> the, the series. I mean, every week I end up giving it like a two or a three out of five. Like it's fine. It's harmless, but it just feels a lot of like, isn't it cool that, you know, Bosk is in there with Zuckus and you know <laughs> Boba Fett show like it's really just throwing images at you hoping that you're like oh wow that's cool I guess but there's no real story so I have been dreading this war of the bounty hunters event I was like they're going all in on bounty hunters this is going to be terrible but the prelude comics have been like oh this is kind of interesting setting up how like Han Solo in Carbonite had been stolen from Boba Fett while Boba Fett was competing in like gladiatorial combat. Like that's kind of fun. That's kind of interesting. And so now when war of the bounty hunters finally kicks off, it was so much fun and so rewarding. And even as someone who is pessimistic and like cynical about the whole idea of bounty hunters, all of the other, you know, Darth Vader, Dr. Afra, like everything has been, you know, slightly and, and subtly building towards what's going on in this. So for, for people who, who haven't read the issue, essentially uh, Han Solo in Carbonite was kind of like malfunctioning and melting. Boba Fett needed to find a way to repair that, but that ended up with a pit stop on the way to Jabba where Han got stolen from him. So now Boba Fett. Just is- wait, can we just stop and say I love like the whole weekend of Bernie's of this for Han Solo. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. He's just, just like he's, his body, his frozen body's getting like shifted he's around. He's just trying to get some gas at, 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 at you know a, a gas station, and you look checks in the back of the slave one, and Han's not there anymore. Where is he? <laughs> uh, but he he so. Now everybody is not only looking for Boba Fett because Boba Fett was the last person to have him, but also Han Solo himself. And that includes the Rebellion is looking for Han Solo. Darth Vader is looking for Han Solo because he knows that Luke's weakness is his friend. So by 
getting rid of Han Solo. He can take care of, you know, one of his allies. Um, so this is basically everybody's converging. The the Hut family has a meeting in this. Which this, is awesome, uh, by the way, to see them all interact. Yeah. And, and so the, the book is written by Charles Soule, who did the Poe Dameron series uh, a few years back, which even though Poe Dameron might not be like your favorite character, it was one of the best recreations of like the spirit of the original trilogy, that blend of like, it was silly, but it was still about, you know, like hotshot pilot and, and it was super fun. So him coming back, he has totally, you know, merged all of these worlds because Dr. Afra's in it. Uh, spoilers, the big reveal is that Han Solo was stolen by Kira from Bum-bum. Solo a Solo Bros Assemble <laughs> like you know they hinted at it throughout the issue but when you finally got to that final page and realized like oh my god Kira was one of the most compelling parts of Solo no matter what you thought about the movie the way they planted the seed for her to take over Crimson Dawn like that was this big setup that we never got anything about so when you finally get to that last page and it's Kira saying something like you know, Han Solo always said that we would always be together again. And then she he takes her hood off. Me. It's, it's a spin around. He was going to save me. And he's like, now you can. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that was vicious. That and was one great. of the best parts about that, by the way, is you have, when you do a reveal like that, especially when they're based on people from movies, you have to get that likeness right. And they did such a good job here of actually yeah. even Han, like the page before, it's like two pages before, it's a dead ringer. Right. So that gives you another visual clue. But then when you get to that part, they don't even have to say her name. You automatically know who that is. I was going to ask about how much work was put into recreating um, what's her name's uh, lips for this. Like uh, uh, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. Yeah. Because I was like, that's the first thing I said. I was like, wow, they really nailed it. That, that looks like Amelia Clark. I was like, I feel like you guys had to do a lot of revisions on the lips. But uh, got it right. Very well done. Um, yeah. And just like the subtle things, like you said, the blending of the world is great because I have started reading like all these comics and I've just done it. I did it last year when we were on lockdown because, you know, I had the time. So I started reading all this stuff, the Darth Vader series, the, you're right. The bounty hunter series was rough, but you seeing how they've converged. I love Dr. Afra. I really love these Vader series, including the current one. Um, and yeah, bringing how they've centered it and what Soul does so well is like how there's a splash page about how Kira's explaining why she took Carbonite Han Solo and how he's really like the center of everything because of just his weird kind of misadventures. He's connected to like everybody to to Jedi, to gangsters, yep. to the Empire, to like and they and double down. Yeah. I love the double downing of like, well, he's not a very good smuggler. Like he's not like yeah. he's talking about that a couple of times. He's not very good at his job. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, look at all the people he knows. And it's just, I thought that one splash page did more for like Han Solo's importance than yeah. like whole movies have yeah. done. You know? but, like, and, and it, but it was great. And it was like a great point. And you're like, oh yeah, kind of <laughs> like, and so they take him. And even so Han Solo's still in some, in some ish, even though he's like frozen in carbonite, he's still like in a bunch of trouble. Like it's great. Um, and I also loved how they did, this very important but subtle like dodge of the big continuity question about um, Darth Maul because the huts, they do it in the hut scene and they don't ever refer to him by name. They're like, well, she's here, but he's not here. Like, what does that mean? And then it's like, 
yeah, he's probably dead because now you know that Rebels has happened and he probably went to Tatooine and Obi-Wan took care of him. And, you know, we're after that point and Crimson Dawn's now like making its reappearance after Darth Maul's, you know, influence. And just so, by acknowledging yeah. it, they don't ever have to answer that nope. question. Which yeah, is what they again. do, by the way, to get in the MCU. Just address something and wow. then leave it. No one you cares. From the end here. It works. Yeah. It works. And, and it's, it's, it's great because, you know, this is taking place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So the only person who knows who Kira is is Han Solo and Chewbacca. And Chewbacca doesn't know what Kira's up to. So you currently don't have to run the risk of like, but wait a second, how come in Return of the Jedi, nobody was like, oh, Han, by the way, uh, your ex-girlfriend stole you before <laughs> Jabba Hutt owned you as a trophy? Like, you don't have to worry about that because there's still plenty more issues, not only in War of the Bounty Hunters proper, but in also all of the spinoffs to explain how he ends up ultimately with the Huts. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where you don't really know are they doing this to capitalize on all of the abandoned ideas that they had for Kira that now they're not going to explore in live action because Solo is not going to get a sequel or, or whatever? Or is this kind of testing the waters of like, okay, people say they want more Solo, so let's give them a Kira story and see how they connect with it and see if they put their money where their mouths are and actually pay for these comics to show you know, maybe a couple years down the line, there Kira shows up in, in a series or something like that. I think after J.J. Abrams' comments, we know that they don't know, so they're just going to see what happens. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, making it up as they go along, kind of thing, and see what people, like you said, test the water, see what happens, make a decision. But yeah. um, and as we've learned in comics, a lot of times it's kind of like a writer talking to an editor and going, "Who can we use?" And it really just depends on the month because like of whatever <laughs> plans they had. And it's like, you know what? This character's free. And it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> why not use that character? So like, I feel like sometimes that works to the benefit. You know, who knows? I mean, I, I'm glad they're actually exploring this side of things. And it's, you know, set so many years after and stuff like that. I think it works both ways. I think it works if they didn't have any other plans. And it also works if people actually go and support this and this gets a third printing or a second printing even. Uh, maybe they do a Disney Plus series or something down the line. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That would be awesome. <laughs> and we got to take a break. But I got to say, I also love how this just like unabashedly is just like, oh, and by the way, yeah, Boba Fett's just like the Wolverine of this universe now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what's great about this series is in the Bounty Hunter series, it was like, oh, you want Boba Fett? You got Boba Fett. Here's Boba Fett being cool and doing this. And War of the Bounty Hunters was like, no, he's kind of like disgruntled. He's he's very cranky. Like he makes some jokes like it, it's definitely less is more with Boba Fett. So Charles mm -hmm. Soule really found like the right amount of Boba Fett to give Boba Fett fans. Yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, he rightly so. He's just like, don't you know who I am? Like, that's his whole thing. He's like, I'm not going to explain anything to you. Boba Fett. I have like, expected him to say bub at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, worth checking out. A good Star Wars crossover event. One of the better you know, ones I've read in a long time. And, and even so. if you don't read, if you haven't been really connected to these comics, like as a movie, like someone who enjoys the movies, but also is not a super fan, awesome comic. From, yep. from my perspective, I loved this one. This is actually one of my favorites. 
So she will, she, she will not yeah. shut up about it. She says she's getting a Star Wars tattoo this afternoon. <laughs> she loves it. Full much. sleeve. Full sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. War of the Bounty Hunters is going to be taking place. Uh, it's a crossover event. So there, there'll be a lot of Star Wars comics. Some of you might want to re- wait and get this in trade. But if you're just, you know, around and you're looking for some good summer read, this is a good one to check out if you're a Star Wars fan. So be sure to check it out. Uh, Patrick, I think you got to go. You got stuff to do. So we're going to, after the break, come back. It'll be just me, Janelle, and Matt. I know. Don't everybody drop off after that. But uh, (laughs) we got a lot more to talk about. We got some Marvel theories that have been hitting the internet and some new comics on the DC side we want to talk about. So stay tuned for all of that. I was staring right at it and it still got me. (laughs) Yeah, I was staring right at it, too. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. And it still scared me. Uh, Man, this intro music. I I just turn my volume down. Uh, I can't do that. I got to be ready. I got to be ready when when (laughs) we go. All right, here we go. Understand. Uh, Yeah, by the way. Yes, Lou Acosta. I know it scares me every time. And I was staring right at it. I know. So we actually have uh, breaking news. Oh, in uh, in the WWE side of things. Uh, that just hit, literally. Uh, so for those uh, people who have been following our WWE coverage, it had been kind of rumored that there would be some more releases coming because of talent and budget cuts. And it looks like some big names have just been released. So it looks like right now the list is Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, Whoa. Ruby Riot, Lana, Santana Garrett, Whoa. and Buddy Murphy have all been released from Whoa. the company. Which is, I even know some of those. <laughs> which is freaking huge. Alistair Black was literally on TV last or two weeks ago. <laughs> he made oh his return. Gosh. I wrote about his making his re-debut. And he's Re- gone. Grand Hello. opening, grand closing. Huh? Man, that is... Oh my lord, man! Lana gone? Like, that's a... That's yeah, huge. Lana, I mean, that was that was huge. That is pretty crazy. Jeez, man, what the... Somebody what said below at Lula Costa says Black Wednesday at WWE. I mean, it's it's a recurring theme. Lately, oh, this is man. now the third... Was this the second or third week where we've had cuts of some kind? Yeah, um, why? You know, because like the last time we had cuts kind of on the, on the NXT side, and then before that it was a couple of talent, but then it was also like behind the scenes stuff. There, I mean, I don't know, because it's a very weird thing with WWE, like it's they always say like budget cuts or, you know, we're, we're trying to streamline the company. But, you know, they're also like making money like <laughs> it's a weird yeah. it's a weird it's a weird thing. So I don't know why. But I mean, like some of those names are like huge. Also, it's just interesting that Ruby Riot is on the list, but uh, Liv Morgan is not. And they are a tag team. So I'm wondering if. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes with these things, like you'll get an initial batch and then later you'll get a few more names added to the list. I hope oh, no. Morgan does not get added to the list. Um, so to all the people affected, um, you know, this sucks. I mean, this just blows and you never want to see this. So I hope they, uh, you know, land on their feet somewhere else soon. Um, typically when they release uh, someone, it's like they have a 90 day compete clause or non-compete clause. So they can't necessarily just go work for someone right away. Sometimes that's not the case. I don't know here 
if what we'll probably get more details today. But yeah, so that's WWE stuff. Good Casey forward. in the chat says maybe new companies will begin popping up now from this. What what are the odds of that? I mean, how um, easy are new companies to just like fire up and begin? Right. I mean, you, you don't get AEWs all the time. Yeah. I mean, those 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 don't come around that often. Now the good news is, I mean, you know, impact has picked up a lot of, you know, people that were formerly on the WWE roster. AEW has picked up some. Uh, there's other, you know, Ring of Honor and MLW and places like that that also uh, people have gone to. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's also, of course, New Japan. Like, there are options. It's just, you know, sometimes, especially when, you know, you do things during, like before, but the biggest thing was that it was done during a pandemic. So, like, people couldn't travel. You couldn't necessarily, you know, start just doing indie events and things like that to kind of pick up the slack. Like it was it was a really bad time here, at least as some travel restrictions have been lifted and things are a little more shifted to normal. It's, it won't hopefully won't be as hard for them mm-hmm. to get started with a new company. But, you know, Impact has anniversary coming up. And last time around, we saw like literally I think it was like three or four former WWE stars pop up there. So I would say. You know, you might see a couple of these names, but there's already a lot of people on these rosters. So I don't know how much you know more. Yeah. They can wow. wow. So that was a twist live getting just into all of these WWE releases. Those are some big names, man. I thought WWE was the only like sports entertainment getting the money last year. Like, yeah. They are. Yeah. What is going on? They literally are making they're still making money and like. You know, I mean, it's that's what's crazy about it. It's not like what if we talk about like AMC or, you know, some of these people like, you know, kind of near bankruptcy or like claiming or having to like file for bankruptcy, things like that. WWE is not there. Like, this is not the case. So, like, they're still bringing in profit and things like that. And also, you know, but they they also have huge rosters and they have multiple brands. So, I mean, I I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Oh, the shade's already starting to come in all these cuts, but Jeff Hardy is still on the roster. Wow. He's going in. (laughs) in. I mean, unfortunately, after like, after every single one of these things, you're always kind of, there are some of those, like, I imagine you survived poor, poor. I say this, but it's weird. Poor Eva Marie. Like could not, I feel like have come back at a worse time with all these cuts happening because literally that was, she was announced and then a bunch of people got released and people were like, people were already not happy. She was coming back. How do you get, how do you get a star spotlight? You return after all these years. Social media is a powerful thing. my friend. It's like, Oh man, (laughs) bad timing, bad, bad timing. That's not the time to launch someone new. It's during a time when you're letting all these people go. So, yeah. All right, so that was some breaking WWE news we didn't expect to get hit with right now, but uh, thanks, Matt, for jumping all over that and giving us just kind of the breakdown. Um, Guess we're going to go into this non-awkward segue. Uh, (laughs) Just going into... So we're going to talk about some Marvel theories. I thought I just wanted to kind of revisit a talk about Eternals because we got attacked for being anti-Eternals. I was not anti. I'm really pumped. Oh, I saw that. I also, I also yeah. somehow people think I'm negative. I don't know. That's I don't, weird. I, I rarely get called negative. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys have this background What you I'm going in. So like open slate, right? So I can be more excited about where it could go. But you guys have this like preconceived notion. You're already fans and like it's a lot to live up to. So I understand your perspective. You know? Yeah, Janelle. Look at Janelle. Just yeah. I mean, calling me an Eternals fan is gracious, but yeah. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to revisit this because I, I have come around on one area, which is I am interested in this movie, maybe not in the Eternals characters themselves, but I am kind of interested in a lot of the kind of fan theories. I was doing a lot of reading about how this movie could kind of reconstitute things in the MCU and explain a lot of events about superheroes, leave the door open for mutants and, and these kinds of theories that I just compiled into some pieces. So uh, there's a couple of them on comicbook.com Marvel that you can read. Um, where I just basically collected a lot of the popular fan theories that are out there right now and kind of just kind of lay them out for people. But uh, the first one that I thought of, you know, that I put together is the clues about the Captain America connections in, in Eternals that I thought were pretty interesting about seeing, you know, their scene of Thena fighting somebody who has a shield that looks like a precursor to Steve Rogers' shield. There's been a lot of theory about Brian Tyree Henry's character, Fastos, and what role he'll play. If you don't know these Eternals character, um, Brian Tyree Henry is, is the black Eternal in the group. Uh, he is Fastos, who is like the master builder, science designer guy in the Eternals. Which we see him doing in the trailer. Yeah. Like that teaser that they... Yeah, he's, doing his, he's doing his Harry Potter in the trailer. <laughs> making that big kind of like Dr. Manhattan Spire type deal. And there's been a lot of fan theory that Fastos will be, and he's notoriously kind of sympathetic to humans and, and helping humans develop technology and do things. And there's a lot of theory that he will be kind of the source of something pivotal, like helping Wakandans mine vibranium and understand how to, how to, you know, obtain and mine and shape that and thereby be kind of one of the people who help design like Captain America's shield and do things like that and influence that. Um, the larger theory I also kind of kind of was looking at and people were kind of gathering is will the Eternals, and there's a lot of subtle things they've done to change this Eternals. Like in the comics, of course, the Eternals are this offshoot of the Celestials experimenting on, you know, ancient humans and creating the Eternals and also the Deviants. But in this, they're aliens, right? Like they make a point to say that the Eternals are an alien race, that this is, you know, somewhat different. And they clearly come to Earth in the in the trailer. And they are kind of the source of helping guide humanity, both kind of technologically, but also perhaps physically. And it's kind of a theory that some people have that I, I'm really kind of sinking into that we'll learn that Captain America and the super soldier serum and all of that was kind of something that was guided by the Eternals and to kind of make humans reach a, a, you know, higher potential and that Steve Rogers will be the kind of signal of why they maybe went into hibernation and feel like they could just take their hands off the wheel after they began to see humans develop into superhumans and that that's why they've been asleep. And so therefore when, and it's also, I think going to be kind of linked to like Tony Stark, like who, how does Tony Stark have in, in the Starks in general, this advanced knowledge of technology mm-hmm. and all that stuff, it will be kind of linked back to them. And I think that's interesting. I think for me kind of learning these historical ties and explaining stuff in maybe ways that the comics even haven't 
would be the most inter- interesting aspect of Eternals that I want to see them kind of get into. I love this. I, I love this is my favorite fan theory. It ties everything in for me. And obviously, like if you take the deep dives and you look at all of the like frozen images throughout the teaser, you can find all these shields. And uh, I this to me, this is my favorite one. And I really, really hope that this is true because it would explain so much. And uh, yeah, you said it beautifully, Kofi. You literally explained the whole thing and you wrote an awesome article. <laughs> No, that was only the one half of it. The other one was uh, of the mutant deal. That is another popular one, right? So Mm -hmm. the other side of this is that they're Eternals and they're Deviants. And the Deviants are this kind of race where they don't have stable DNA, that they have the ability for mutation. And they kind of, each person, each new generation is born is very different, can be uh, with new kind of, qualities whether it's intelligence or something that alters their physical form and their most kind of i guess altered or ugly people they call mutates and that this will be kind of used to source how the x-men or how mutants appear in the mcu which it could happen any number of ways whether it's just like oh well some deviants made it out there and eventually evolved into becoming mutants and that became you know a thing with humanity or that they're going to reintroduce somebody like Apocalypse through in ancient Egypt as a more direct connection to the Deviants. And I like that, actually. The reason I kind of seized on this theory is I think it makes more sense than most of the crap we know about Apocalypse from the comics, which is like half of a bunch of stuff, which is like he is like this original mutant who can change his form, Mr. Fantastic style. But then he has like a celestial ship and then all these cosmic powers and then like all these psychic powers and like all this other stuff. And I think it would in some ways kind of be a better retcon if you just kind of did something like um, what, you know, the popular theory is that mutants will be this offshoot of the Eternals and the Deviants, the the two races kind of combining and to form this new strain of what becomes mutants, which has some basis in the comics because uh, Athena, Angelina Jolie's character, uh, had a Deviant lover named Crow and... Oh yeah, Crow is his name. And they have a child, two twins that become this weird character named what's its name? Like Starhawk or something like that. Oh God, what is that character's name? Matt, do you know? Uh Starbrand. Star no, it's not the Starbrand. Starbrand's actually important. Like what are you talking about? I'm talking about Thena's twin kids who combine into like a single being. You forget. Eternals is like a huge blind spot for me. I don't know. Donald I like, and Deborah Ritter. Yeah, that's I, I love not, seeing you guys get stumped. It makes I'm me feel not, better. No, I've never admitted to being Dark <laughs> Angel. They they become Dark Angel. That's right. So I thought I thought anything that looked kind of like Dark Hawk was in Matt's wheelhouse. <laughs> no, did not compare to Dark Hawk. Dark Hawk rules. Uh, no, they become Dark Angel. So that's that's the thing they combine to. Anyway, they're they're the combination of uh, an Eternal and a deviant that becomes a superpowered being but it would be more interesting just to have that be the story of how kind of mutants came matt as a lover of the comics i always want to hear your interpretation of whether this is too much of a bastardization of the comics or or whatever snarky thing i know you probably are going to say say? so what are you going to say i might get called out for being snarky on twitter instead of negative Um, positivity so okay i you know how i feel now about theories you know, I feel like WandaVision, 
forever like changed like how I look at theories because like 99% of them are going to be complete BS by the, by the end of it. Like it's just going to happen. And the ones that kind of sort of get one thing right, they'll count. Right. Cause it's like, if the theory is eight paragraphs long, if you get two sentences, right. Every squirrel finds a nut. Right. So I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, I will say I do actually really like the apocalypse theory mm-hmm. of having it, having him be, somehow related to like you know uh, either that combination or like deviants got out or something like that having him tied to that because because you really wouldn't be doing a ton of damage or you don't, I don't think you're gonna, you're gonna piss some people off but obviously. not really because you would explain how this dude has right. all these powers how he's, he's able to live forever how his origins are so nebulous and they've been messed with and tweaked for so long i like, I think it would actually be a benefit in that case if they kind of use this to kind of backdoor <laughs> Apocalypse in. Now, um, I don't know how I feel about, like, the combo of, like, their union being where mutants come from. I'm not, like, crazy about that. I more like the the kind of thing where they the rift they did in the comics where, you know, a celestial, essentially a corrupted celestial kind of ended up being the catalyst for mutant kind. I kind of, I kind of like that because it still does the same thing. You're still tying it into this overall story, mm-hmm. but it's not so like, Oh, Hey, the Eternals and the deviants are, are like mom and dad. It's weird. Like to me like that, I don't know. It goes into like stuff. I'm like, eh, I, I'm not so fond of that. I'm more like something happened because of that battle or during that battle. And then the long-term ripple effects you know, have it to where you can almost do it like Inhumans if you really want to, where, you know, the seed is planted there, but it took years and years and years to kind of manifest. And then you're starting to get mutants born, right? Just because of, you know, evolution and just natural proceeding at time and stuff. I like that. Um, but again, we also said the hexes were Mephisto. <laughs> that turned out to not be the game. We went on a whole diatribe about how all the hexes suggested all these people, and none of them ended up being the case. So I don't know yeah. if I buy the cat thing. I it's it's fine in theory, but I don't know if I if I buy that yet. Um, right. But I do like the apocalypse thing. So hey, I was positive. See, look yeah. at me. I think I'm positive. Hey, maybe the Eternals made superheroes. The Deviants made mutants. You know, oh, and then they got to one day that. come together and go to war, Matt. See, do you think we'll see Thanos a versus X on the big screen? Don't bring up that <laughs> trash pile. Of I know. <laughs> <laughs> you that. All right. that. You guys can check out these theories of comicbook.com. Marvel. What do you guys think about the Spider-Man three sinister six? So we're hearing that the reason why we're getting back like William Defoe's Green Goblin, um, Alfred Molina, who already spilled the beans. He's definitely coming back as Doc Ock. Uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro and possibly some others is because we're going to see the Senate that William Defoe will be the big bad of the movie as Norman Osborn, who forms this kind of multiverse uh, multiverse six um, sinister six from characters, including characters from both the Spider-Man trilogy films and the amazing Spider-Man films. So that's going to be, um, yeah, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, uh, Sandman is a possibility. Thomas Hayden Church is Sandman, the lizard, Rhino and Electro. So 
Because everybody was really wanting to see Paul Giamatti's Rhino again. <laughs> well, they're all. Some rumors have come that the that said some of these will get redesigned, meaning the costumes that sucked will probably get upgraded. <laughs> that was so and, terrible. And, and, and I love how they throw out, that in there. You don't really have to change much with Alfred Molina, I don't think. Because I am, if this yeah. is true, I am so happy for Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. I loved that Sandman character, that version of the character, and. I it totally got overshadowed because obviously of everything else that was going on in that movie. And you now know that like Sam didn't really want to do that. Like all that stuff has come out. Right. So like it felt like that was the story. You could tell that was the story he wanted to tell because that had the most emotional resonance throughout the whole thing. I would love to see that version get a little chance to kind of return in the spotlight. Also, Sony just really wants to do their Sinister Six movie. They have been trying to figure out how to do this damn movie for like, yeah. it feels like two decades. <laughs> no, it, it's, trust me, it's been, it's been long. I've been writing Sinister Six stories for over a decade. <laughs> so if this is the way, this is a, this is good enough for me. Just Does this make, make you happy, happen. Janelle? Like, are you down for this? Yes, but I kind of am still in this headspace of like Bucky Stan says it in the chat. I don't know if they can give Peter enough story slash screen time with all these other characters. I know we've talked about this a bajillion times, but I feel the same way. So I I'm I'm excited, but I'm cautious because I freaked out with all these WandaVision theories and lost my mind and I just I don't believe anything until I see it and I don't know how they're going to achieve anything and I'm I'm trusting that they know what they're doing but I'm I don't feel I feel less hyped the more information I get because I'm kind of like I don't I don't want too much information I just want to go in and experience it because I did, I I ruined myself with WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, you're on the other side now. You can never go back to I know. Just being an unknown to being an oblivious fan. It's over. Yep. It's over. You're one of us now. Yeah. <laughs> but I am really excited to well, see some of these characters us. that I really love. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, who? Peter, who? We have three Peters. There won't be enough screen <laughs> exactly. time for anybody. Yeah. The dialogue will be handled by three Peters, will be split evenly, and six villains. So everybody gets a line here. <laughs> that's so what that's the movie should be called, by the way. Yeah. Three Peters. It shouldn't even three, be called uh, Spider Man. It should be called Three Peters. <laughs> three Peters, six foes. Yeah. Uh, I love that. There you go. I love it. Six foes. Um, Yeah. So we're going to see. I mean, I think there's a reason this Spider-Man trailer, which we hoped was going to be here for the purposes of this podcast yesterday, but on Tom Holland's birthday, happy birthday, Tom Holland, Uh, century old. But um, yeah, no, it didn't arrive. But I think this could be one hell of a trailer if even half these rumors are true. So this could get pretty wild pretty fast the moment they start showing off stuff from uh, this first Spider-Man trailer. So I'm kind of I'm really kind of just excited to see what pans out. And if like none of this is true, I think I'll laugh, but also lose my mind at the same time. Like that Kristen Bell gif, like I'll be like laughing and just like kind of sobbing. But um, we'll see what happens. (laughs) It's going to be be fun. It's going to be fun. All right, Matt, take us over. This is all on comicbook.com. Marvel, we got breakdowns about all this stuff. Go check it out because this is kind of a fun period where Marvel movies are coming back. And we're in this rare period where we haven't had any. So we just have an abundance of theories to talk about. And I lo- in some ways, I love the theories more than what we end up getting. It's a lot of fun just to talk about <laughs> what could happen. So come join us on comicbook.com, Marvel. Matt, take us over to the land of comic books, because we got some good DC stuff to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, let's start with one that we've been covering uh, since the first issue here. So uh, it got a little bit of a delay in between issues but batman catwoman number five um this one picked this one is very much we talked about oh by the way spoilers incoming for 
both of these books. So in case we want to flash the bar or anything like that, but spoilers <laughs> coming. So, um, we, last we left off, you know, we, we've had uh, kind of future Selena uh, meeting Joker and it seemed killing Joker <laughs> in, in the future. And of course, then we've kind of been bouncing back between three different timelines, uh, one in the middle where Selena is kind of, uh, working with Joker and kind of hiding stuff from Batman. Then another one that's kind of in the present. And then of course, that's where we have the phantasm and all that. So this, this continues here, but last issue, I remember us not being so hot on that one because it was probably the worst, um, violator of like, it was too much going on. It just jumped around. around. Yeah. Yeah, It was very confusing. Here is, I feel like again, these three times, whether the debate is whether, you needed three timelines or not. I feel like it could have been two and it probably would have hit what it needed to hit. But Mm -hmm. this one to me kind of found the balance again um, because a a significant portion of this takes place in the future. And we get to see future Harley Quinn uh, responding to the death of Joker. And there's this uh, fun kind of, but surprisingly brutal uh, fight between them. But it's more about it's less about the fight and more about the dialogue that, you know, Selena's just kind of telling Harley a bunch of stuff and kind of spilling all the tea about about her and all this stuff. That's really interesting. Uh, and then the stuff we see between Selena and, you know, Phantasm and their kind of meeting that they have um, and, and her trying to get Selena to kind of understand where she's coming from. And we see kind of Selena fighting between that, you know, call that Batman uh, thing of like, you know, being a hero and not, you know, she, she's kind of right in between. She's kind of between going full villain or full hero. And, and there's some interesting dialogue there. So I thought this was a return to form for it. Um, it doesn't move the plot forward a ton. Like if you were to really kind of see like where things have really progressed as far as the mystery and things <clears throat> like that, we don't get a lot there that that's not really what this issue does. So if you're looking for that, you might be disappointed, but I thought just as a, the story it is telling and the interactions between characters, I thought was really interesting. So, you know, what did you guys think? I I think that the one that's still dragging it down a bit is the one in the early days of Batman's career um, in his relationship with Catwoman, which is her drunk, I guess the drunk sequence in this yeah. one. Because mm-hmm. uh, that just kept throwing me about, wait, where am I again? Because it's just too confusing with the present day. Yeah. The only thing that separates is in the present day, you know, phantasms there. So that's, that's the difference. But uh, the future stuff is really the most interesting part and the phantasm. I think you could have really done something about how this event with phantasm affected this future reality and, and still been fine. You didn't need this third angle, but it wasn't bad. I, as you said, it was much more of a balance in this one and future Harley Quinn. in this one was, was really good. Uh, and that whole sequence with her and, and Selena, like you said, it's, it's really funny and kind of sad and, and brutal at the same time. Cause it's these two women who have been like allied with these two men who were obsessed with each other. And, and it just gets into like a lot of weird overtones about Batman and the Joker and their place and in that whole thing. Um, and it, it, and it was just a really good fight dual conversation to see. And like you said, it gets insanely brutal with what they do to each other. Um, so it, it, that was pretty good and pretty entertaining. And also the thing, you know, also seeing again about, these women around Bruce Wayne, Batman, you know, Selena interacting with Phantasm, 
while Phantasm was doing her whole Phantasm, you know, theatrical thing of killing somebody was was really interesting and just seeing selena's reaction which is just like yeah okay <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. and that whole thing uh if nothing else this makes this is a good Catwoman story if nothing else at the heart of it and and just showing you kind of the very complicated character that is selena kyle agree yeah. janelle with with joker being such a it's weird because he's not in this issue yeah at all but he's such a big part of of things what do you think yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Catwoman now. Like, <laughs> she's getting her moment. Like, I'm not even thinking about Joker in this, which is nice because Joker is thought about constantly. He's mentioned constantly. I feel like he's one of the most featured, like, you know, comic book characters of all time. So uh, it's it's been nice to really, like, break down her perspective, Catwoman. Um, just shout outs to the artist for putting a, an older woman with wrinkles and a crop top and skinny jeans. <laughs> Very interesting fashion choice. Loved it. Uh, you know, older women can wear crop tops too. Uh, I, I loved seeing Harley. I love that she's, you know, wearing the mask. She probably is a little superficial. So she wants to cover her aged face. Like I, I really like related to Harley more than any of them, but I love seeing these characters and older later on in life. You know, I always think about that. Like, what are they going to do? Like, when do they stop? Like right. what, what happens when they age? Like, you know, cause these are ageless characters. We just keep seeing them over and over and over again. Um, you know, as young, vibrant, heroes, villains doing crazy stuff. It's just a cool perspective. Um, I am a little like over the whole Christmas vibe. It's summer. <laughs> so if we can stop hearing jingle bells in the background of every comic, like that would be great. But other than that, I mean, I love the artwork and I love, um, you know, Selena's daughter coming in at the end, like what yeah. the heck happened? <laughs> and it's just, just, it's been a treat. I really like it. And yes, this week is so, or this issue is so much better than the last one. And I hope that's going to keep, you know, going in that direction. I, I just keep wondering what word like he had filled in uh, Tom King had filled in for, you know, the, when Selena says the world is filled with crazy and like, she has this curse word in there. Yeah. I kept trying to like, oh. insert words <laughs> for me. It's the F every single time. Yeah. I mean, I went with that, but it didn't like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I didn't maybe flip it and maybe flip it around a different way, but anyway, get him on here and ask him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, but this this was an interesting one. I just I hope they can stick the landing of this. Uh, what was our other DC book this week? So uh, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> so I think I think we're seeing slowly this series win Janelle over. I, I don't yep. know. I, I'm seeing different reactions <laughs> when we mentioned Fortnite because it went I was from like, I hate Fortnite. It went from so I hate this book to now celebration so i Yelling feel like fortnite now i'm gonna actually play fortnite what is wrong with me that's that that Thanks right there lot, dc is music to dc's ears the whole yeah. point yeah, of this are. book right um yeah so of course we're gonna get into uh <laughs> fortnite um and uh so right here i'm actually got it pulled up here. yeah uh batman so fortnite. batman for i always forget the whole title batman fortnite zero point um so this one actually in the last issue, of course, it kind of left off for those who don't remember, left off with Deathstroke holding Catwoman um, at gunpoint 
as Batman was kind of trying to get ready to leave. Um, and no, he got out. Did he get out? Yeah, he got out. Yeah, he so, gets out of the game loop, and but he gets back to the quote unquote real world only to find, yeah, the that ev- yeah, he's not the only one, obviously, and that uh, there are like a, a group, there's like a group of people, and of course, it includes uh, some favorites of Fortnite players. Um, yeah, Fortnite skins, get gotta get those in there, right? And uh, you know, that like they're all knowledgeable about what's happening and like Destro kind of fills them in on all the stuff that's happening. They can talk now, of course. So that's mm-hmm. actually kind of nice after having so many issues of no dialogue, but kind of having everything, everybody's mind. Um, this issue, like what's fun for me. I didn't, I didn't love this issue as much as other issues because the, the like mystery just didn't, the mystery part of it and the detective part of it didn't hook me as much as it had previously, but that might just be, me, I also don't have as much of like a love for like the Fortnite characters and they take a bigger role in this book. It's not just Batman and Catwoman. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a mix of people. Um, the the hook at the end was interesting. Like that kind of sort of started to pull me back in. Um, but I mean, it was still really fun. I, I still really enjoy it. Again, the series is is really fun. It's, it's really good. And I cannot believe I'm recommending uh, this series. I'm going to say, here's why I like this one. It's different. Like you said, it, it was great to have this kind of Batman detective story that took a, like a favorite movie concept, like live, die, repeat, and right. kind of put you, put them together for the, in a Fortnite setting. Here's what I liked about this one. First of all, they take all these like kind of gimmicky skins from Fortnite and, and give you these characters, but Batman essentially in quick time assembles a Fortnite justice league together. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like a same way he would like a real Justice League where him at like the center and even Deathstroke <laughs> is like on his side and they're all now united to like solving the problem of this island. But what you get is this kind of new kind of mystery in the sense of instead of live, die, repeat, you're basically got lost now. Right. Like all these people came to an island yeah. and they're all kind of saying, you know, we're these kinds of people. But you have these flashback sequences that show like, you know you know, what they were doing on the island and stuff like that and what they were trying and some of it's like real kind of sinister and ominous. Uh, you have a great Batman Catwoman romance moment that's like better than half of the stuff we've that's had yeah, when they were just talking about how they know each other and, you know, she's just like, and this is a great version of Catwoman too who's just like guessing and she's just messing with him. She's like, who do you think we are? Are we like enemies? Are we like coworkers, friends? And she's just like husband and wife? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awkward. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, and and then the mystery at the end is again. Now, now we're on some lost stuff, right? Like we're on this island together, trying to get off. Somebody's like pulling the strings, but not everybody is who they says they are. You know who they say they are. And there's and a so smoke a, monster. Yeah, and there's a smoke monster. So there's like a new kind of mystery to this, and it just every time I read this, I'm just like, this has no right to be this enjoyable. Like, <laughs> yeah, they fight golems. Like, you know, like this is, it's, this is an absurd thing. And yet it is, as somebody on Twitter said, this is like some of the best bat content like I've gotten in years. And it's, and it's absurd that it's through a Fortnite comic, but here we yeah. are. Yeah, I agree. So Janelle. Yes. Are we, are we, are we officially yeah. hooked on this? Yeah. Team Batman Fortnite, not the game <laughs> Fortnite. I <laughs> just have to make that very clear. Uh, yeah. I'm surprisingly pumped about this. I look forward to it 
every time you're like, oh, we're going to do the four. I was like, yes, we're going to, we're going to do Fortnite. What is wrong with me? It's, I'm so <laughs> mad at myself, but really, really into it. Very interested. If you don't know anything about Fortnite, like myself, uh, and you don't know any of these characters, it's okay because it's still cute and interesting. Like there's a fish. I don't know where the fish comes from. I guess the fish is a Fortnite character. Yeah. But when they're spoilers, when the fish meets his demise, I'm like, Oh, I liked the fish. Like he was cute and sweet. And so, um, yeah, even if you're not, you don't know anything about Fortnite, anything, I think you can still enjoy this, um, for like what it is. I think they do a good job of explaining what the storm is, how the rules of the world work, even if you don't really know what Fortnite's about. So, Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, so real quick mentions, because there was actually a lot of really good comics this week. Um, yeah. If you are looking for some fun Batman content that's in the main continuity, uh, the newest issue of Batman, I believe it's 109, mm. uh, actually had a, has a really there's a lot. Ghostmaker is like the MVP of the series. Um, he continues to be like the best part of what's happening in that series. A kind of with him and Harley Quinn is also yeah. much better than it has any right to be. Right. But, it's yeah. so good. Like their dynamic is great. And he's kind of almost sort of mentoring her. It's this weird, it's this weird thing, but there's one great sequence where he reveals his, his cave essentially, which is like this really high tech, nice base called the haunt which is a freaking great name, by the way, for mm-hmm. someone named Ghostmaker. And he's like, all these little things of like, he's revealing how he's still always in competition with Bruce. So like, Bruce has a dinosaur in the Batcave, and then he, to top him, built a bigger dinosaur. Like, no, hasn't does not care about dinosaurs at all, just wanted a bigger one. And then he's also developing his own car, but like, she asked him about it. She was like, oh, like, this is a really cool car. And he's like, nah, it's not... It won't, can't beat the Batmobile. So he's going to like completely trash it and build a new one. And like he's, there's always just this like this narcissism in him about trying to be, trying to kind of always outdo Bruce. Um, so like that stuff's really fun. Like the Ghostmaker stuff in this book is really good. Uh, so if you are looking to give some Batman stuff, you have a bevy of choices. There's like nine Batman books at the moment. But <laughs> this is one of the, that part is one of the best parts of this current series. Um, also, Catwoman, if you're looking for a Catwoman uh, storyline, uh, there was a novel that was done called Soul Stealer uh, that came out last year or two years ago. I think it was last year. Um, and now there's a graphic novel adaptation of that story, uh, which is up on Comixology and, of course, in your local comic store. Um, really, really interesting because this is like a completely it's familiar enough. It keeps all the core concepts of Catwoman the you know the stealing the high stuff and and that fun stuff but it really turns her origin around and you know she's got uh, a little sister that she's kind of trying to protect and you see like she's taking on fights in arenas to make money and that's kind of where things start and then she ends up um kind of doing some things that like are more you would more associate with like bruce's backstory um and then kind of we get to the present and it interacts with batwing because batman is not in gotham at this point so batman's not in the story at all it's really a catwoman and batwing story but more importantly it's a catwoman story it's really good so if you are looking for something different i would suggest that also poison ivy and harley quinn both show up and they're very they're a little different than what you'd expect so i mean if you're gonna look for one uh that would be what i would recommend so that's comics You had the next thing too, didn't you? Well, I figure we'll skip that. We'll come back to that next thing because I know we're kind of 
running short on time. So we can right. we can hit that next week. All right. All right. Matt's mysterious subject next <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, wait, Janelle, you read. The, did you read the Captain? You yeah. read the Captain Marvel Doctor Strange tie in thing. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. I, OK, it's I've, I've only read three books in the whole Captain Marvel uh, but it's the ones where she's tying in with Dr. Strange and on so many levels, I am just tickled. So excited. I love it so much. Uh, they hook up like I, he's teaching her how to use magic. I'm currently on the book. I had to backtrack because Matt sent me the one where they are somehow swapped bodies. So she's trying to figure out how the heck to navigate his powers. And he's trying to figure out how to use hers. And this, my Dr. Strange love is just, I'm so happy as can be. And I highly recommend and so fun. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're a real blast. And that story actually is what, like that was kind of a, just for fun story. Yeah. uh, When we talked to Kelly Thompson about that. And then the other thing that happened later with them just kind of naturally happened. Like, and it was just kind of funny that they had already had that story. You can definitely see the stuff building. From oh, there, yeah. and it's, and it's well, there you go. So, yeah. There's your vague tease for the, all of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, check out Doctor Strange. We'll talk to you guys later. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you guys are just now getting into the show, we are live every Wednesday at noon Eastern on Twitch, Facebook, and or YouTube. If you missed the show live, you can always just rewatch it right afterwards on any of those platforms. If you just want to get the audio version of the podcast. We're on all the big platforms, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, or you can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll get an episode playing for you. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars. If you want to follow the show, we are at Comic Book Nation on Twitter, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And be sure to check out comicbook.com where we have all the latest in our Marvel, DC, and all our other channels, Star Wars, for everything to help you expand on anything we talk about in the show. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Peace. Bye, guys.